0: You're listening to Halfway There Honest Conversations with Ordinary Christians about Today's Christian Experience, episode number 149 David Jacob and Seeking After God. Welcome to another episode of Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I, of course, am your humble host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you listening as always. Hey, if you are not yet on our mailing list, you can get on there at halfwaytherepodcast.com. I usually send out an email every single Monday just to let you know that the episode is out for the week and keep you up to date on whatever it is that I am doing in the meantime. There's a lot of things that are going on. I'm still working on some eight-day experiences. Um, I'm also out there going on other people's shows and sharing the message um, of halfway there that, hey, no matter where you are, you um, are on a journey and you'll never be all the way there. So you may as well appreciate being where you are right now. Friends, I can't wait to introduce you to our guest today. Um, He serves as a missionary in residence and the chair of the Intercultural Studies Department at Trinity Bible College and Graduate School in Ellendale, North Dakota. So we talk a little bit about that, kind of how he got there. He also wrote a book called It's Your Call to a Missional or Missionary Life. Very interesting. We talk a lot about what are we focused on and where are you headed? It's pretty easy to focus on how do we know God's will. Um, and yet uh, sometimes maybe there's something else that we should be pursuing. And we're going to talk all about that. So really interesting story and conversation today. My guest is David Jacob. Friends, here is that conversation. David, welcome to Halfway There.
1: Thanks, Eric. It's great
0: to be here today. It is great uh, to have you as well. I know we got a chance to connect uh, a little while ago, and I love um, kind of the work that you're doing. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and where God has you now, and then we'll go back and fill in all the backstory.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah well uh i'm a husband and a, and a dad we have five kids our our oldest is is uh just married last summer and uh, we've got kind of all the age spans down to about eight years old so uh we we keep busy and uh, uh you know i've been the uh, missionary in residence here at trinity bible college and graduate school and in north dakota for about four years now and uh, before that, we were missionaries to a, a sensitive country in northern Asia. And so, um, yeah, kind of a, a long journey about how God, uh, you know, called us into missionary work. Uh, but I love working with students here at Trinity, and just being able to to mentor, to disciple, to teach, and to mobilize the next generation of missionaries to the field. That's an interesting title
0: missionary in residence, like what, so how do you, what do you do if you're a missionary in residence?
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a neat program that the assemblies of God has where we can take a missionary off the field for uh, a short amount of time. Usually it's uh, one to two years. My situation is a little bit different where they've asked me to, to be here longer than that, uh, but still temporary. And so uh, I, I am here to kind of, uh, bring the practical side of missions to the campus. So missions changes so fast. And a lot of our um, missions programs at at Christian universities or Bible colleges kind of criticized for maybe teaching things how they used to be. And uh, so it's a great program where missionaries can come off the field for a short amount of time and really say, you know, hey, here's what the textbook says. And it kind of used to be that way. Uh, this is more how I see it playing out in my experience, or just uh really trying to inspire and bring those recent uh stories from the field right into the classroom as we're as we're teaching and mobilizing uh students to the to the mission field
0: yeah, very interesting because it it does seem that uh you know the world is always changing right so why yeah. our methods and the way we approach people also have to change as we go, and so I love that even bringing stories from uh that are happening right now I'll tell you um, one of the most impactful things that uh happened to me i' don't, in my MDiv, I only had to take one missions class mm. um because that wasn't my area of focus, but sure. there was a guy named Tony Weeder. I actually had him on the show um a, a while back okay. he told he taught one of some of the classes he told us stories about how Muslims were having dreams of Jesus. I guess this yeah. is still going on. Mm-hmm. And that was so impactful to me, so I know that hearing those stories like of what's happening now, like that totally changed the way I thought about how God thinks about those people, right right really right. powerful,
1: yeah, yeah, it is it's really powerful, and just to to be here to to mentor and to disciple you know students, you know a lot of the younger generations they're they're wanting a, a mentor, and for mm-hmm. those going into missionary work, there's so many questions, so to be able to have a practitioner here on campus. Uh, to help walk through the calling and to help develop the call of some of these students is a real joy for me.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I, I think I can see a lot of value there. I don't know if most colleges, Christian colleges or universities have such a thing, but if they don't, it sounds like they should.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think a a good number of them do. do. It's a, it's a great initiative.
0: Very neat. I love it. Okay. Well, let's, let's find out more about how God has led you to this place. So, Mm. um, you're in North Dakota now, but where are you from? Are you?
1: Yeah, I'm originally from, uh, Indiana. I kind of grew up in in a small town in Indiana. Uh, my, my folks had a, a lake, a lake house. And so, um, I grew up kind of on the lake jumping off the boathouse in the summertime and, uh, doing all the yard work. And, and so that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So, uh, were you, was it a Christian family or were you, uh, Yeah, you know,
1: um, my folks were kind of nominal Christians, and that the the uh, Calvary Baptist Church bus would come by my house, and Mm. and so uh, they they were, uh, you know, uh, saw the the need for us kids to get that uh, Christian education, and so uh, we would we would go to to church. I remember accepting the Lord as a as a six year old, Mm. Uh, but. You know, as as my childhood wore on, my parents were divorced, and I really wasn't living for the Lord until about my freshman year in high school. I was a friend invited me to to youth group, and it was there that I rededicated my life to Jesus, and uh, from from then was really. Uh, kind of called into ministry, so I've been in ministry all my life.
0: Mm, wow! Well, tell us about that moment when you gave your life to Christ again, or rededicated your life, or however you want to say that. Like, what yeah. what was it? Like, what what was the circumstances? Like, just tell us that story.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I went to it was a Wednesday night youth group at uh, at an Assembly of God church, and uh, the 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 pastor was talking about God's will for your life. Um, which is interesting because I, you know, I bring that up in the book a lot, uh, that whole topic of what's God's will for me. And uh, the spirit was, I could just sense um, God's spirit. And, and, and I really felt like I know that God's will is for me to come back to him. And mm-hmm. so um, it was there at the altar after that service where that youth pastor uh, prayed for me. And I said, I want to I rededicate my life to, to Christ and uh, so so after that, he really took me under his wing. I'm so thankful for mm. him, for my youth pastor who did that. He discipled me. He not only informally, but formally, he took me through a, a, a book, a workbook, and uh, really poured into my life. So many days wow. after school, I would I would go to church and uh, it would just be the, the two of us. I would help him with various projects uh, around the church or to get ready for, you know, the, the next Wednesday night. Uh, but really it was a discipleship time. So I would go on uh, hospital visits with him and, wow. um, uh, it was just a, an apprenticeship almost. And so, uh, for several years after, after Bible college, I, I did spend as a youth pastor. Uh, and, and so that's, that just it really is helpful for me and my work and what I do here at Trinity, even today, that ministry experience. Mm.
0: I love that because it's so powerful when you have somebody in the faith who invests in you, right? And who's able to, you know, take you through those things. I, I love that. Even taking you on hospital visits and showing you, yeah. hey, this is what ministry is like. This yeah, is where he right. must have thought you were called. Did he Did he already think you, you had some calling?
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Very soon after uh, I rededicated my life to him, it was pretty evident to the senior pastor, to the youth pastor, and to myself that God had had ministry in mind for me and for my life. Well,
0: well, how was it evident? Like what was the, what, what were the markers? Like, what did they go? Oh, that's, that's definitely. Yeah.
1: You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure what, what they saw. I just remember uh, many times, even on Sunday mornings uh, at the altar after service that the pastor would come up. And I, I think I would be so moved by what God was doing in me, the pastor would pray, you know, David. God's got something special planned for you. He's mm-hmm. got a special calling on your life, and and uh, and I I resonated with that. But I don't know if I could really put my finger on exactly what it was, except this desire to know Jesus more. And yeah. I just really couldn't imagine doing anything else full time with my life, except for vocational ministry. And I know that's not for everybody, but, but for me, um, it was just, it was just such a sense of, I've got to spend the rest of, of my days in trying to see people come to Christ and discipling them like my youth pastor had done for me.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like a burning fire, like a passion, Mm -hmm. you know, is it one of the prophets says fire my bones, right? Yeah.
1: Right? Oh yeah. man, it is, and ministry's so fun. You know, I've never had more fun in ministry than I than I am right now. It's just, it's just such a blast to to be here and to work with students and to train and to mobilize and to inspire them. It's, uh, I'm, I mean, it's just a joy. You're investing in more than than what you can do yourself right I mean we could be on the field right now sharing yeah. Jesus with the unreached and with the lost and and we we love that and there's a great need for that uh, but during this season I get to be here at Trinity, and investing in the lives of others and multiplying myself in that way. So we've got several students who are are on the field as a direct result of us taking them on mm. a short-term trip or us mentoring them or teaching them. And so it's that legacy kind of that we're leaving behind. You know, yeah. even though I'm still in my 40s, I'm not that old, really. <laughs> right. But, uh, Preach it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's that investing into the next generation and seeing them rise up into ministry when there's fewer and fewer going into ministry today. So it's, it's really a discipleship and multiplying ourselves during this season. And, uh, we're just so thankful.
0: Yeah. Well, that helps me make a little bit of sense of it because you had a really great example of someone who invested in you and showed you kind of, this is the way, the way you want to go, or this is what that's like. Um, so powerful, you know, I, I, Interesting. I, I resonate with that. I'm, I'm a little jealous cause I never really, I had some people who were, who were interested, but I don't know, maybe traditional ministry wasn't really, uh, the direction for me. So sure. But, yeah. uh, that's, that's cool. So, all right. So you, so you're investing, you know, and, and doing the ministry with your youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And then you said you went, ended up going to Bible school.
1: Yeah, yeah. I went to a, a, a North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. It's another one of our sister schools here um, in the Assemblies of God and uh, trained for youth ministry with a minor in pastoral studies. And then after graduation, I went right into youth ministry in the Twin Cities.
0: Okay, great. And so what was your, what was your experience with God in those periods of time? Like, do you remember something? Actually, I was going to ask you this question earlier. Mm -hmm. So you, you said you went through that workbook. Like, was there something, is there anything that you learned during that period of time that just like stands out to you about God as you were kind of learning about who God is and learning, you know, learning about how you relate to him? Like maybe it was during that time with the youth pastor or later in college, but like anything, do you have any stories about how that stands out?
1: You know, I was just uh amazed at I mean, I was so immature, you know. <laughs> I guess looking back and was just so amazed that um that God cared about me so much and that uh that this that this youth pastor cared about me to invest in me uh like that and and sometimes it's the practical things. I remember we were driving to one hospital visit. One of our the girls in our youth group had leukemia, and, and she ended up passing away, actually. And but we were going to visit her in the hospital one day, and um, I I wasn't saying a whole lot. And and he said, David, you, you you need to learn to be to ask questions. You need to learn to mm-hmm. be a better conversationalist. You know. And, uh, that just sticks out in my mind cause it was a, a little bit of a, a, a teaching moment, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I needed that in order because ministry is all about people. And if we don't develop our people skills, we're going to have a, a rough time in ministry. And so, uh, just that outpouring of love and care for me by both him and, and God that, uh, Really ministered to me and and taught me some important things in those formative, yeah. immature years. You know, of course, there were a lot of ups and downs through college. You know, I wasn't the greatest student, um, which is kind of ironic. In fact, at one point, I told the Lord, "I'm never going back to school." <laughs> wow! <laughs> and now yeah. here I am teaching and and you know working towards a PhD. So, yes. uh, God definitely has a sense of humor.
0: <laughs> Um, I love that I love that what's the uh who was it that said uh, God makes plans or man, man makes plans God laughs I forget that was like yeah, a, one right. of the saints or something but
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so I'm just so thankful that that God has saved me that God forgives me that he puts up still with my with yeah. my immaturity sometimes and 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 my sin you know that he forgives that and uh, yeah. so just just living a thankful kind of living the dream right now and just yeah. so Excited, both in just professionally, but also in my family life and personally. Um, God is just uh, amazing, and we're so thankful.
0: Yeah. So, how did you end up on the mission field? So, you were a youth pastor for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was youth pastor for a while. I did that for about four years, and then I went to work for Operation Christmas Child. Oh, cool. Project of Samaritan's Purse, which sends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, since shoeboxes all around the world. So I was the the director of the upper Midwest area for Operation Christmas Child for many years. And so we would go on different distribution trips all around the world. I've been to, to Kosovo and Panama and Honduras uh, and Ecuador just distributing shoebox gifts. And, and uh, so it was during that time that um, God started to just give me a burden to to always be on the front lines of, of ministry and of missions. And so I kind of had this thought that, uh, you know, I wonder if God's calling me onto something else, but not really sure what it was. And I entered into this very difficult, dark time of Mm. my life where I was asking God what's next. And He was very silent. Wow. And, um, I was really frustrated and this went on for months and months of, um, God, what do you, what do you want me to do? I I feel this nudge to do something else, but I felt like my, my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling and, you know, I inspected my life and do is there sin? Is that, you know, what is, what is happening here? Um, and it just went on for months. And one day I was sitting in my office at work and I was so frustrated with God. And I said, God, I don't understand why you're not speaking. You know that we will go anywhere. You know that we will do anything. But, but this silence is, I just don't understand it. And um, I'm not a guy who gets a lot of visions in my life. But this particular day I did. I saw this image in my mind of me driving a car and Jesus was sitting in the passenger seat. And I was saying, where do you want us to go? Just tell us, we'll take this car anywhere. We'll we'll run a red light for you. We'll do, we'll do anything that you, that you want us to do, but you've, you've got to speak. And God said, Jesus turned in this, in this vision, he turned to me and he said, you know what I'd really like? I'd like to switch seats and let's just get to know each other better. Wow and it was in that moment eric that i was like oh man i have been seeking god's will instead of seeking god himself wow. and that's that's wrong of me to do and so i think it's admirable that we say yes to jesus and be available to do anything he asks us to do. But when we're so consumed with God's will and when we're not consumed with him, that's a problem. Yeah. So I I write about this in, in the book a little bit that you referred to. Uh, I tell, I tell this story and just how we've, we've got to get back to, especially as young people, I think to, uh, to seeking God instead of seeking his will. And it's in that seeking him that he shares his will with us.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a reason why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Yeah, seek, exactly. seek him first. Wow. I love that. What a, what a great statement. Jesus obviously is, he has a way with words, but mm-hmm, I think yeah. uh, I, I just, what a, what a great reminder that, hey, no, God is what we're after. God is yes. what we're after. Wow. Okay. So how did that change your life?
1: yeah, so man, it, it really shifted my focus. And for months we intent, intentionally, my wife and I intentionally sought Jesus. We would schedule, uh, prayer time into our calendars together. We would schedule Bible studies and devotions, uh, uh, both both individually and together as a couple. We put these into our calendars, and in one August, we decided to take a a prayer and Bible study retreat for just the two of us, and we got away to do nothing else but to seek the Lord. And it was during that time, that that retreat, where we were journaling and we were. Kind of teaching one another about the Bible and praying together to just seek Jesus. It was during that time we came away saying, "I wonder if He's calling us to be missionaries in Asia." And at the same time, we were in in the adoption process, uh, adopting our our daughter from Asia. And so uh, that was all kind of you know we were learning about her birth culture and and so uh, that was all kind of working at the same time. And we talked to some, some pastor friends of ours that we really respected. And we said, you know, we kind of told them our story and said, we think this is where God's leading us. Are we crazy? Or do you do you kind of sense God's doing something here? And, and they confirmed that, uh, yeah, God was indeed doing something. And so we just began to take those small steps, you know, one after another, talking to people and and putting in an application and doing the interviews and asking all the questions. And so we were thankful that we had good missionary friends that, that kind of walked alongside of us uh, and and really served as mentors to us again, as we, as we investigated this as a possibility. And so we did end up going overseas uh, as missionaries. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Wow. So I'm really fascinated by the, the, um, a couple of times you've had some really interesting uh, points of discernment in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Where I mean, even just asking God the question, "Hey, where? Why aren't you speaking to me?" Right? right, and then being willing to to you have this vision of Jesus and being willing to go, "Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening." Yeah, and accept it because I don't know that all of us do, right? Right, um, and then and then also then having the moment of of discerning. I think God is calling us to Asia, even though. um, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a tough decision, right? So you could kind of bring all these things together that you were, you were doing.
1: Right. Yeah. It was a tough decision. And, you know, we were in our thirties with, uh, with two small kids about to adopt a, you know, our, our third child. And so uh, we, with well, the, the two, the two older ones were biological, but our third one was the that adoption yeah. there. And so, yeah, it was a tough decision to sell the house to uh, of course move, literally halfway across the world, away from family. And so it's a, it's a big deal. And, and it took quite a lot of, of time and planning and, and praying and just, again, seeking God in all things.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, you decide to do this and you, you go over like, what was that process like? And what was it like when you got there?
1: Yeah. So, um, we went with assembly of God world missions and so we made application with them and went through an interview process, went through some training, uh, and, and of course we, we traveled and spoke at a lot of different churches and we, we did a a lot of fundraising. Uh, we really prioritized ministry and and hoping to mobilize others as as we fundraised. And so, um, we, we learned a lot we're able to minister uh, a lot there yeah. in fact we have a, a student here who's a student now that that uh, we we met uh years ago at an event that we that we held as we were itinerating and fundraising and and now she's a student here so um, it's been been a pretty interesting journey so when we got when we got to asia of course um, we had these uh some Missionary friends of ours who showed us the ropes. Mm. Uh, we didn't know how to buy food and how ah, to right, wow, pay our water bill, and we didn't really have the language. So we spent uh, two years studying the language and uh, and then working with orphans uh, in the country yeah. where we lived.
0: Okay, so I want to go back to this because is there anything that you learned about fundraising and like the is the mm. whole process that would be helpful for people? Because I think. You know, well, that's one of the things that holds people back sometimes is, is going, is. hey, I don't really want to do that, or I don't mm-hmm. know what, how to do that. like what.
1: You're absolutely right. And um, I said the exact same thing. I, there was one point where I said, Lord, I'll, I'll go be a missionary, but there's no way I'm fundraising. <laughs> um, and I think we see it as a daunting task that we have to do to get to our real ministry. And I don't oh, think that's the right outlook. Uh, fundraising and going to speaking to other Christians, whether it be at churches or businesses or in homes is an incredible privilege to promote the cause of missions and to promote God's kingdom. And so uh, when we focus on ministry and what we can give to that congregation instead of how much money we can get from them, God does amazing things, not only in their lives and our lives, but in our funding as well, our funding has has always come in. We've wow. always been provided for. Um, so I was just talking yesterday with a, um, a guy from the UK, actually, who's wanting to go into missions. He was asking me, he's like, do you have any advice for fundraising? And so um, because it, it can be really intimidating, but if we just shift our thinking a little bit into, this is an opportunity. my main goal here is to minister, to pour into the lives of others and to mobilize uh, others from the congregation. And so I've had a 63 year old lady come up to me after the service and and, and in tears say, you know, I'm about to retire and I don't want to waste my life anymore. How can I go overseas? And so it's moments like that, that in that fundraising process that can really make an impact. And you know what? God blesses that kind of kingdom Mm -hmm. thinking, and he is faithful to bring our funds in.
0: Wow. That is so just absolutely incredible. Um, So to take the perspective of your ministry starts now.
1: Yeah. Missionaries are always ministers, whether you're at home or you're or you're on the field overseas. So as you're as missionaries are traveling and itinerating, it's not about how much they can get so that they can get back to their real ministry. It, it's about what can I pour into this congregation yeah. uh, on my as I'm on my journey back to the field that God has called me. But God has called you here for for today. So wherever you are, that's God's will for your life. Yes, and be well, a minister there.
0: I can see where that could go a very cynical kind of way, right? Like mm-hmm. I've got to do this in order to keep the people happy. So they'll give me money yeah. or whatever. Right. So I can do right. the other thing. Right. But uh, that seems like a really healthy way to think about it of, Hey, I'm ministering, whether I'm here, whether I'm there where yes. wherever I am. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, I love it. Wow. That's a, that's a great insight, brother. Thank
1: you. And it makes it so much fun you yeah. know? because you're there, you're there pouring into others and you can go to the kids, the kids church and you can inspire them, you know, most uh, people are called to the missions field between the ages of four and 15. And wow. so we've got this window here of children and youth. And so if we had more missionaries who were going into children's church and going into youth group to inspire and mobilize and teach and 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 to just, you know, help thrust the next generation of missionaries to the field. Oh, man, can you imagine what would happen with our U.S. missionary force if we had that yeah. kind of attitude?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think even, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. So I, I have, I have so many thoughts, but I, we can't, uh, we can't go, go everywhere with all of them. I want to get back yeah. to your story. So, um, that was a great, that was really great insight. So the, um, so you, you get there, you fundraise, you get there, you're starting to learn the language, you're learning all of the yeah. things, which has got to be interesting when you're doing it in a, you know in an asian culture because it's a whole different kind of world than we do have in our western
1: world right um you know did you learn to read some of those uh,
0: <laughs> i did some of it wow yeah.
1: yeah i learned to read and write and and speak and listen so i was in a comprehensive class and uh so and i i love learning new things uh as missionaries i think we should all as christians really love learning and so um i just Tried to soak up everything I could about that language.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, tell us about that time over there and what, uh, what you can and what, uh, what was interesting and what you learned about God there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, I remember writing in my journal that dependence on him has to be the norm every hour. Wow. Because it was such a difficult... Um, context that we were living in and, uh, it was a little bit risky. Um, and so we really learned to depend upon God and, you know, I didn't do everything perfectly. Uh, there is a lot that I would, I would have changed, but, uh, God really taught us so much. And, um, you know, it was while I was there, it was, I was I was washing eggs one day, which is not something we normally do in the States, but right. um, we, we get, got our eggs from the market and they were fresh in every sense of that term. And so, <laughs> okay, you, I'm imagining, yes. <laughs> so you've got to wash them before you can crack them open. Oh, and my. so I'm washing eggs one day and uh, I said, you know, I just had this desire to, uh, to, to teach and, um, like, Lord, what is this? You know, I, I I've, I've, I don't have a master's degree. And so as the days went on, I could not stop thinking about teaching an intro, intro to missions class. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy, but man, that would be so much fun. And so I'm such a nerd that I Googled intro to missions syllabus, you know, <laughs> just to see what, what people were teaching and to just try, try to learn and, I'm like, what is going on here? And so it was time for us to come home again. And, uh, we were on furlough here in the States. And I, I remember mowing the lawn and just going, you know, I love what we're doing, but I have got to teach. And so I talked to my, uh, my supervisor about it and he said, well, you know, we've got this missionary residence program. Why don't you apply? And I said, I don't even have a master's degree. I mean, I can't, I can't go to a college. And, and teach. And he said, well, sometimes they're looking for, you know, other people to do other tasks. So why don't you just give it a shot? And I did. And, and uh, Trinity, long story short, Trinity Bible College here in North Dakota called and uh, they said, Hey, we're interested in, in establishing a go trip program where we send all of our students overseas every single year on a short term mission trip. Could you come and help us establish this? And I said, oh man, that is the job for me. Let's do it. So wow. that's really what brought us here.
0: That's cool. So they send every student overseas is it every year or every year. Every so year. if you're wow. a
1: student here, regardless of your major, uh, we've got nine or ten different trips that we that are led by our staff and faculty who again mentor you and pour into you as you're as you're traveling, as you're on this trip. Uh, But yeah, every single on campus student goes, we literally close down the college for a week in March. It's the week before spring break. So you still get your spring break. And uh, we send all of our, we, we basically say, okay, we've taught you in the classroom. Now let's go put some of this into practice. Yeah. So every year you're applying what you're learning in the classroom to a real life context. And a lot of our trips are here in the States, but we have many that are overseas as well.
0: Well, wow, Very cool. I love the way that that um, takes what's, uh, what can be very theoretical, right? Very kind of in your head and puts it in the real world. Cause we, we all know it doesn't matter. if the discipline. It mm-hmm. can be Bible. It can be ministry. It can be, you know, uh, English or, you know, machine shop, right? Whatever it is. It's one thing to know stuff. It's a different yes. thing to do things, right? And uh, so that's a that's a really great. It also, you know, to take a whole week out of your semester
1: mm-hmm. demonstrates a real global
0: commitment, right? It demonstrates it like it's a real investment.
1: It is, and so I'm really thankful for the leadership of our uh, of our president and our our administration here, who see ministry and missions as a priority, and so uh, they're willing to, you know, have that week. Where where we're putting our learning into practice, and it's great because then, you know, whether or not things, uh, whether or not we did well putting our learning into practice or not, we come back and we evaluate that, and that that helps uh, our learning. So the praxis affects the theology, and the and the theology affects the practice. So it's the cyclical yep. cycle, right, of of learning, experimenting, learning, experience, and doing it coming back and evaluating and assessing. And uh, that's the way we learn the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm just really struck at how you were very attuned to the desire to teach and you're questioning, right? And you're asking God and you're yeah. going, okay, what is that? I What's that I, about?
1: Yeah. I just couldn't figure out how this was going to work because I've never done anything like this before. Yeah. So to come, I was very intimidated to come onto campus, especially without a master's degree and, uh, and, and to just, to just be here. But um, uh, I've been able since I've been here to, to finish a master's degree and, and to now uh, start a PhD. Hmm. So, but yeah, so many of us have questions and there are times when we don't understand sometimes the desires that God puts in our hearts or uh, what the, what the next steps are. And it's so important to, to seek him in all things and to, you know, talk about it to those in ministry that you, that you know, and that you trust to help them so that they can help you kind of navigate this. So, so life on life, this, this is part of discipleship and, and, uh, and us being discipled is asking those questions of people that we, that we respect. Uh, so don't yeah. be afraid to do that. It's really important.
0: Totally agree. And I would argue it was the Holy spirit saying that to you, Put, mm-hmm. putting this bug in your ear, just this desire in your heart to go, okay, I want you to be ready when the time comes Exactly. And so that you could say something like, that's the job for me. I can't wait to go do this. Like that yeah. is uh that is just beautiful friends. I just want to echo Dave's statement there. Like, don't, don't when you have those thoughts because we all have them. I know you have them. So uh, when you have those thoughts or those ideas or something, especially if you can't shake it, but even if it's a fleeting thought, just take it to the Lord and say, "What is that? Is yeah. that something I should do, I should follow? Is it something I should not follow?" Um, and then you know, I, I I trust Him and you should trust Him too to just take it further as you as He wants, right? So you just put it into His hands, but Exactly. Don't dismiss it. Don't just let it go. But you know, mm-hmm. especially if you think it's something God might want, want you to do, even if you don't understand it like David. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So good. Wow. I love that. Wow. Okay. So you've been there and then you, you wrote this, you wrote this book called it's your call to be a uh, missional or
1: a missionary, right? Yeah. So, um, the missionary task is not only for missionaries and, uh, you know the Great Commission was a command to the disciples uh, to go and to make disciples of all nations, all people groups, and so I wanted to kind of explain that uh, that there is a role for you as a Christian in the Great Commission. Every believer has a role to play mm. in the Great Commission, and so um, I wanted to write something that would help. The younger generations, or anyone really, to kind of try to discover what that is, and so we highlight prayer and Bible study uh, as as the number one thing. We've already talked about seeking God instead of seeking His will, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, you combine that with uh, with Bible reading is how God often speaks to us. And part of my wife's calling to the mission field was because she was reading Romans 10, and the Holy Spirit really spoke to her about being the one who, who goes and and who tells. Um, so we highlight prayer and Bible study. Uh, a missionary mentorship, again, if, if there are those, you, you know, you feel like maybe I'm called to the field, try to find a missionary mentor. Uh, ask around uh, those missionaries that come through your church, you know, try to uh, have a conversation with them after the service and, and keep in touch with them. See if they'll, if they'll be willing to do that. Most of them are. And so, so by text or by Skype, as they, as they travel, Mm uh, you can be in touch with them. And then I encourage everyone to go on a short term mission trip. I think every believer should go on at least one short term trip in, in your lifetime, uh, to just expand your worldview, uh, to, to be in a place where you're experiencing missions and to uh, really just seek God about what is my role in this great commission. There's so many unreached people groups left, people that haven't even heard about Jesus once for the first time. And so, if we all work together as senders and givers and mobilizers mobilizers and encouragers and those that pray and and uh those that send care packages to missionaries to help keep us there to encourage us right um pastors who you know preach about missions and all the way from genesis to revelation how how god has this thread of wanting the nations to come to know him mm-hmm. throughout the whole bible um do these things to help find your role in the great commission.
0: Yeah. And what a privilege, right? I mean, if this is God's aim in history and I think you're right, it's arguably what God wants. He's Mm. bringing people to himself. He says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And it's people from every nation, tribe and tongue. Yeah. Uh, What a privilege to be part of it.
1: Mm. The fact that God chooses to partner with little old me and you know, and, and us, it, at, at, you know, in, in all of our weakness and all, all of our sin that he partners with us and chooses to, he doesn't have to set it up that way, but he does. He gives the command to us to do this is so incredibly satisfying and humbling uh, that it just makes me be so in awe of God uh, that we get to partner with him to uh, share his love, his power, his fame with the nations is so incredible.
0: Yeah, I love that. And so your book will help people discern that and and figure that out. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. We we just want to kind of lay that out to help people mm-hmm. discover what's my role in the Great Commission. So you're either missionary or you're missional, meaning that you're either the missionary uh. who goes crossing cultures to share Jesus, or you're that missional person who is all about outreach and ministry and yes. support and sending all those things that we've discussed.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're involved in the great commission one way or the other. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, friends, I've got links to uh, it's your call to a missional or missionary call uh, on the website at halfway dot com As usual, you guys know how to get there. If you're looking for that, Um, man, David, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate that. What, uh, anything you want to leave us with?
1: I think I just want to emphasize the importance of, um, being involved in missions in some way, uh, the 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 numbers of missionaries that we're sending from America from North America are in drastic decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lose about seven percent of our US missionary force every single year. And so fewer and fewer people are choosing a missionary career. And we've got to say, Hey, we want more missionaries who are out there telling people about Jesus. So how can I be involved? You may not be the one to go, but you might be the one to inspire that young person in your church, or you might be that wealthy businessman or businesswoman who can say, "Hey, I'm going to support missionaries by by doubling the finances that I give mm. for the cause of the great commission to make Jesus, let's make Jesus famous over all the earth." And it so burdens me that there are still countless people all around the world that have never heard of him, let alone understand his fame, his power, and his salvation.
0: Yeah. I'm always astounded by that. When you see like the planes that fly over Brazil or someplace and there's these Mm -hmm. tribes that are going, what the heck's that thing? And yeah, um, nobody's talked to them that like they're, they're saying, you know, at least now we can, we, we know, we know about disease, right? So we can like be careful not to do things like that. So there's concerns, but They need, they still need the gospel. Right. So interesting. David, I love that. I think, um, I think that's a great, um, encouragement to somebody listening. I know it's somebody out there. Maybe God's calling you to a missionary life. Um, and if that's you, don't be afraid of it. Um, you know what things are, we're changing methods are changing everything. Um, and here's the reality. We're seeing the fruit today. This is, this is something that inspires me, so I want to share it with you guys. Yeah, um, We're seeing the fruit today of the missionary work that was done in Asia and Africa uh, in the last century, right? In the, the 19th century and the 20th century. Today, like 100 yeah. years later That's or right. better, we're seeing it. There's, there's so many Christians in Africa and Asia because of those people who are willing to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And South America too, right? So, uh, but there's other places uh, around the world and still in those places, maybe um, like Europe, for instance, that where that's just not the case. And so the investments that we make now will have fruit. You may not see it. We may not see it. Our great grandchildren might see it, right? Right. And see, see what God has done. Um, But we have to be, take a long view because I think God invites us to a long view, and, uh, be ready for that. So make those investments maybe with your life. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, David, thanks so much for being here. I sure appreciate you sharing your story and I love the work that you're doing. Um, I, I love what God's doing in your life. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. It's been great to
1: talk with you.